Hey, good morning, church. Y'all doing okay? Y'all look all right. You look, yeah, about as bad as you always do, so you're good. Amen. Glad you're here, and uh, it's great to get together and worship the Lord and um, have an opportunity to uh, exalt His name and uh, offer praises to Him and to hear back from Him, from His Word. And uh, so I want to ask you, if you would, today to open your Bibles to Psalm number 67. And, um, you know, today is really the beginning of the week of prayer for our uh, international missions offering, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions. So if you uh, are not involved in praying, uh, you can go to, you can get the app, IMB, uh, IMB Pray. And uh, so you can begin to pray through that, or you can go through the imb.org website, and you can get uh, the daily prayer guide from there, if you will. Uh, we may have some printed copies laying around as you leave uh, also. Um, so we want to begin to uh, do that and put a special emphasis on praying for the unreached and the unengaged people in our world today. And um, so uh, Psalm 67 kind of falls in that category of, of speaking on that particular topic of uh, international missions. There are 7.6 billion plus people in our world today. That's a lot of people. 7.6 billion. And we find that of that group of people, that 154,937 of them die every day without Christ. That's about every two seconds someone in our world leaves this earth and goes into eternity without Jesus. Many of the people that we talk about internationally do so without having a clear opportunity to say yes or no to Christ. Their access to the gospel is extremely limited. Many of them do not have the gospel yet in their own language. And I'll give you those stats in just a moment. Last year, Southern Baptists, uh, internationally, we baptized 89,000 people. That's a pretty big number. If we compare ourselves to other denominations, it's a huge number. If we compare ourselves to obedience it's a small number we ought to be doing more we have about 4,000 full-time missionaries employed around the world as Southern Baptist that's the largest sending agency uh, full-time missionaries in the world we have 175 years of continual uninterrupted mission work through wars and everything else around the world we still deployed our missionaries and sent them places to preach the gospel. But the problem is that we baptize each year overseas fewer each year total than the number of people who die daily without Christ. So we're not even making a dent in it really. The majority of those who are in other nations dying, they have little opportunity to hear the gospel. And all of that sounds like very, very bad news. And it is. But there is a reason for the nations, the people groups of our world, to be glad. And Psalm 67 announces 
this. Let the nations be glad. And so there are three reasons that they should be glad. The nations, every ethnic group in the world should be glad today. And so these are the three reasons. First of all, because there is intercession for the nations. One of the reasons that the nations of the world should be glad is because there is intercession for the nations. Verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. There is here the request in prayer. May God be gracious to us and bless us in verse 1. May God be gracious to us and make his face shine upon us. That's the request in prayer. Now this prayer at first sounds a little hard-hearted. The nations, as I have already described to you, are perishing. The ethnic groups around the world do not have the same opportunity as the people of Chillicothe, Ohio. The people here in our town, worst case scenario, they could go to Walmart and buy a paperback Bible. Worst case scenario. If they really wanted to, there are churches that are open and they could find their way into those churches if they wanted to and in some of them at least hear the gospel preached. If they really wanted to, they could go to our website today and go to the link under the resources, truelife.org and hear a clear presentation, audio and video presentation of the gospel and be invited to come to Jesus. If they really wanted to. Now that's not saying that we should not go to them. We are in the process of going to them in our own town. We are in the process of going to them in our state. Our state is lost. Our state here in Ohio is far from evangelized. But the nations of the world have very little opportunity. Many of them are living in closed environments without any opportunity whatsoever to hear the gospel message at least one time and here we are praying may God be gracious to us and bless us and so it sounds like a very selfish prayer that the first thing that we would pray is for God to bless those who are already saved yet proclaiming the gospel is not a call to for us to be cursed by God Sometimes people treat the Great Commission like it's the great curse. Oh, dear God, do we have to do that? I want another Beth Moore study. Sarcasm intended. This is not a verse for the doctrine of the prosperity gospel, which states that economic prosperity is the metric for determining the blessing of God in total. But here, the blessing of God means this. It means to be in step with God and to be granted His favor. In short, it is a call for the dynamic work of the Spirit of God, producing sanctification in the people of God in order that we may have the power to proclaim the gospel of God. That's the blessing of God. In Israel's day, God would bless outwardly and materially as a symbol of what he wanted to do in them spiritually. And so many times as you read the Old Testament, you'll hear them talking about the harvest and all these things. And yes, that's the general blessing that God brings. 
I hope that the farmers in our area of the world had a great harvest this year. I hope that that's true. So that's the general blessing of God. We might call it the general grace of God, the general mercy of God upon humanity. And certainly we want to pray for those things. We want to pray that your job holds up. Amen? We, we want to pray that you can feed your families. Amen? We want to pray that your kids can go to college or trade school or whatever it is so that they can get a job and get out of your house and get off your payroll. Amen? We pray for all those things, and those are good things. We pray that God would protect us from COVID and all of that. There's nothing wrong with praying those things. But those are the foundational general blessings of God that everyone should enjoy. What this is praying for the people of God is something in addition to that or something beyond that. And it is a call for the dynamic work of the Spirit of God and the people of God for the sake of the gospel of God. And the reason that I'm able to say that is because in verse 2 it gives us the result of the prayer. It gives us what we're shooting for, aiming for in that prayer. The blessing of God in order that... Verse 2, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. That's the reason for the asking of the blessing. The blessing is not asked for in order that we may be hoarders of the blessing. Why is this supplication made for the blessing? The blessing is for the purpose of or to bring about the result of making God's way known upon the earth. And what is God's way? God's way is justifying the ungodly and sanctifying the unholy. That's God's way. God's way is justifying people by faith who do not deserve it based upon the merit of Christ who has purchased for us a salvation through His blood. That's the way of God. His way may be proclaimed upon the earth. The way of God is not Islam. That's the way of the devil. The way of God is not Buddhism, that's of the devil. The way of God is not humanism, that's of the devil. The way of Darwinism is not the way of God, that is of the devil. We are here to proclaim the way of God. And the way of God is found in His Son who said of Himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the way of God. And we pray for the blessing of God upon our lives in order that for the purpose of, with the result being, that we may make His way known upon the earth. Now, I've been badgering you about your fervency and your absolute confidence in people who preside in a large house on Pennsylvania Avenue. Do you know why? Because you got your mind and heart on the wrong thing. We pray, we pray for the goodness and the prosperity of the nation in which we live because God has said, as they prosper, it'll be a blessing to you. And so we pray for that. And we pray for righteousness to reign in the nation in which we're in. We pray for justice in the nation in which we live. Of course, those are things for which we pray. But why do we pray those things? Why would we ask God to do those things? 
If it is in our mind and heart that the only reason we would ask for those things is so that our political party would win and we could continue to go on and live like we always have undisturbed, that is the wrong motive for asking for those things. The reason that we ask for those things is found in this psalm, that His way may be known upon the earth. I am convinced that the only reason that the United States of America continues to exist by God's mercy is because we still have a remnant here who follow Christ and are still using our resources and our time and our treasure and our talent to get the gospel to the nations. When the church here collapses, this nation will no longer have the blessing of God. The blessing of God is not on this nation because of George Washington or Thomas Jefferson or the Constitution. This blessing upon this nation is because the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to put your emphasis where it has the power to make a difference. How can you change this world? You're not going to change this world by protesting and marching and breaking out windows and wearing your MAGA hat. You're going to change this world one heart at a time by introducing them to the one who can rule and reign in their life through righteousness. That's how you change. But we have neglected that method. It's not good enough for us. we got a better method, and it is the arm of man, the strength of man that we're going to use, and the force of politics. That's what we're going to do. And it is a misplaced trust. If you have not discovered that yet, wake up. I'm urging you in view of God's mercies to offer your life a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to Him, which is your reasonable act of worship. And do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Learn to think like the Lord Jesus. Learn to think like Him. Not like your favorite political party. Not like your favorite new social justice movement. Think like Christ. What is Christ about? That God's way may be known on the earth. His saving power among all nations. That is every ethnic group. Now let me say this. Chillicothe Baptist Church. We gave approximately... $125 per person who attends to our offering for international missions. I think that's pretty good. I'm, I'm not, I know y'all are cringing like, uh-oh. I, I think it's pretty good. I, I, I think that probably, I mean, there are other churches, other uh, Southern Baptist churches in our state that are larger and and probably have a, a, a higher economic ceiling as far as ability to give. And probably the, the amount that they give will surpass ours. But I think per capita, I think per person, we'd match up against anybody. That's a result of the Spirit of God working in your heart. That's a result of you not hoarding the blessing. That's a result of you understanding that there are ethnic groups in the world have not yet had a chance to hear the gospel. Can we do more? Yes, we can do more. We can always improve. And we do not want to hoard the blessing of our time or our talents as well. 
we do need to focus more on praying for the nations. We need to pray that God would bless us and enable us to not only give generously, but also to go courageously. Here's a surprise for you. They are now saying that one of the safest places that you can be and, and be away from COVID is actually on an airplane. And here we've been saying, no, nobody can go. COVID will get you. And it's like, you know, suddenly COVID is bigger than God. My dad is 81 years old and just gets crankier every day. Hope he heard that. 81. He had a bad case of COVID. He has breathing problems, lung problems, attitude problems, everything. And uh, I, I called him. I said, well, how are you doing? He sounded like a frog, you know. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right. I said, what do, you, well, what do you think about this COVID thing, man? He said, I don't care. I said, you don't care? He said, no. He said, um, hey, if uh, I, I've, I've lived longer than I ought to have lived already. I said, yeah, you, you about to outlive your savings, and we don't want to go there. My sister and I are like on the edge, you know. They have four retirements. I think they'll be fine. But uh, he said, no, I, I've lived a long life. I'm, I'm good. If I die tomorrow from this, I'm good. It's okay with me. Not a tinge of fear in his voice, nothing. Why? He knows Christ, and he knows he knows Christ, and he knows Christ knows him. COVID has not become the all-consuming issue in his life. And I'm here to try to help you not let it be either. Some of us are going to get sick from COVID. Some of us are going to get sick, right? It's just, it's going to happen. Some of y'all are also going to get the flu. And some of y'all are exposed to cooking that it would be a blessing if you lost your taste and smell, Right? All right, so yes, I'm not saying anything about your wife. Some of y'all work at the prison stuff. What's your mind going to on stuff like that? So, but this what I'm getting. The gospel has, people are, are dying without COVID. They're dying without the gospel. That's the urgent matter. You ever been to a hospital in Africa? You know what it is? It's a woven mat out Side under a shade tree. That's the cleaner place to be. You go into the building, there are pigs and chickens and everything else in there. As Africans say, it's where you go to die. It's pre-death. And here we are blessed with nice hospital facilities and we're worrying about, oh my goodness, you know, what's going to happen? Do you think, is this suddenly out of control here and God just lost the handle on things? good case of COVID might have been good for us. We learn that we do not exist on our own. It is in Him we live and move and have our being. So, the result of prayer here, that your way may be known on the earth. Um, I'm a bad preacher because, let me tell you, those of you that uh, are, are studying preaching and you want a good model for preaching, I'm not that. Unbalanced points every time. Too much time at the beginning, not enough at the end, all this stuff. I'd get all beat up on that. But see, now I'm old, I get to do what I want to. Now, intercession for the nations. Now look at this. 
He talks about salvation for the nations here. Why should the nations be glad? Because there's intercession for the nations. We're praying for them. We're praying to God to bless us that he may use us to get the gospel. And then because there's salvation for the nations. Verses 3 through 5. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Look at salvation's results. Let the peoples praise you, O God. The word peoples there is the same thing as nations, same thing as ethnic groups. It means all the different ethnic groups of the world. This was written, this psalm was written over a thousand years before the birth of Jesus and before the birth of the Christian church. What has God's heart always been? That every ethnic group would worship Jesus. That's always been his plan. Those of you that have fallen into the trap of the misguided thinking of dispensationalism, you need to punt that now. There are not three or four, five or seven plans of God. There's one. There's just one. And it has always been that the Gentiles would also <clears throat> come to worship Jesus. It's always been that way. And so here we have him talking about this, where they receive salvation, what is their response? They're glad. They sing for joy. Have you ever seen someone really get saved? You know what happens? I've never seen someone who really gets saved not be glad. I see tears of relief shed, right? But it's not sad tears, they're glad tears. I see those people come to the, to the worship house, the meeting house of God's people here on Sunday. And in their heart is this, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. That's what happens to those people. Those who really come to know Christ. Now why are they so glad? Because they have a realistic understanding of who they are without Christ. They have recognized the depravity and the twisted nature of their own heart. That the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Desperately wicked. Who can know it? And they realize that's their heart. See, the hypocrite points to people around them and talks about how bad they are. The one who has gotten in touch with God points that finger inward and says, Oh God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Me, a sinner. The worst of sinners, Paul would say of himself. I can't think of anybody that could out me. That's what happens. And when Christ comes into that life and says, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Go and sin no more. And you rise up as it were and you walk and you begin to follow Christ. You become glad. And you sing for joy. You're not disinterested in the songs of Zion. You now want to sing for joy to the Lord. And so here we have the results of salvation. Now there are 7,360 languages spoken in the world. Did you know that? Some of y'all are struggling with, you know, buenos. You're still working on it. A couple of y'all in anger death. It's tough. Ask Terry Taylor to say a salam alaikum. Okay. 
So it's tough going is his language. But there are 7,000. We, we lived in a country that had about 60. 60 different languages. I mastered all of them, of course, right? Sheesh, no. 7,360. Only 704 of those have the Bible, the complete Bible in their language. Only 704. Only 10%, less than 10%, have the complete Bible in their language. That means that there are many of them that don't have the complete Bible, but here's the other problem. 3,945 languages with no Bible portion even. Not even a page from the Gospel of John. Not even a chapter from the Gospel of Matthew. They've never once heard in their own language that God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. They've never heard that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. They've never heard for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. They've never heard it. They don't understand it in any meaningful way. They've never heard the Christmas story. In the days of Caesar Augustus, that all the world would be taxed. They've never heard that. They never heard that Mary brought forth her firstborn son and laid him in a manger and called him Jesus. They've never heard it. That's the world in which we live. Now, you think you've got problems. Those people have problems. They never have had a chance to be glad and sing for joy. They have never had a day of true gladness in their entire life. They've never had a time when they would sing for joy to the Lord. But when the word of God comes to these people, it changes everything. By God's providence, Julie and I have made friendship with this group of people that they did not, had never had a church in the history of their existence. Hundreds of years. Never a church. We met one guy, he was a believer, he'd come to know Jesus, and he was helping me with some evangelism, and this one day he just said, why would you be unwilling to take this to my people? Well, I was ignorant, I didn't know, I mean, I, I didn't know the difference between the people groups there. And this group of people, they were, I, I hate to say it this way, but I don't know how else to help you see it, they're National Geographic. They live way out in the forest. They don't wear clothes. They still hunt with spears and homemade bow and arrow. He asked me if I wanted to go out there one time and hunt. And I said, what are we hunting? He said, well, we're going to hunt uh, 
wild boar. We're going to hunt warthog. I said, okay, that sounds like a good meal. We'll do that. And he said, but man, that, that, those woods, it's just, it's just loaded with leopards. I said, what kind of gun you got? He said, we got one we have kept since World War II. I said, I'll I tell you what, Tom, but you, uh, y'all do that. I, I've got God things to do. And, uh, and you let me know and then we'll eat, okay? But this group of people, they began, they lived, they were squatters in an abandoned part, apartment building, had no running water, no electricity, no screens on the windows, mosquitoes were eating us up. And the first time I went in there as a young man, he was about college age, and his room was what would have been the bathroom. He had taken a piece of wood and put it over the tub, and that's what he slept on. <clears throat> and I went in and talked with him about Christ, and I spent several hours just walking him through the entire Bible. He trusted upon Christ. They invited me to come back and do Bible studies. So Julie and I would go back and do Bible study, and she'd work with the children and the women, and we'd do Bible study. We worked them through the best that we could, and came to the point that several, several of them turned to Christ and trusted on him. First time in their history that they had a group of believers ever. We formed a church there. But I remember that first baptismal service. We had several, seven or eight, I don't remember, we baptized in the ocean there. And that side of the Atlantic, you baptize this way. You get, you get the person you're going to baptize in the middle, you grab one arm, somebody else the other, and just wait. The wave is coming. And so that was baptism. And it just kind of knocks them back on the shore, and they're already done. So we'll get the next one in. But we got finished baptism. We've been out there in the hot sun for hours, you know, getting this done. And we're ready to go home. They said, where y'all going? We said, we're getting ready to go home. They said, no, we're getting ready to party. And they had a party at their house, their apartment building. And that thing went till I don't know, we left at 2 a.m. But they were dancing, as Baptists are not supposed to do. But they were dancing, playing homemade instruments, and singing about the resurrection of Jesus. Let the nations be glad. Let the nations be glad. See, there's a joy out there for them. There's a gladness out there for them, but there's also one for you if you get involved. You'll get to have stories like that that you would not have otherwise. You'll get to do something besides count how many parts that you help to produce go down the conveyor belt. You'll get to do something besides talk about how many papers you graded. You could do something besides how many cookies you served. Something that is of significant for all of eternity. Let the nations be glad. One of the first studies we had with them as a church, we found a bad translation of part of the New Testament that the Assembly of God people had done in their language, the Basari language. And I remember bringing those books to them. <clears throat> and I said, now we're going to open it up. And I opened the passage of Scripture and fumbled through the best I could. I didn't understand their language very well. And those people, to the person, grabbed that book and just kissed it. And tears come down their eyes. We have the Word of God. We have the Word of God. Let the nations be glad. There are reasons for gladness. The Bible says in verse 4 and 5, For you judge the peoples with equity. You judge people with fairness. 
Without Christ, the peoples of this world think that their lives are ruled and judged by chance. And chance never comes their way. Chance and good luck always come to the Western world in their eyes. Good luck and chance always falls on the side of Americans. It never falls on their side. They're still dealing with high infant mortality rates. They're still dealing with starvation. They're still dealing with subsiding and subsisting upon a dollar a day for their families. They're still eating one meal a day and feeling like they're doing well. Because luck and chance just don't seem to go their way. Many other groups of people find their lives ruled by the demonic, which is cruel and damning. The demons lead the people into an endless liturgy of ritual to try to placate the demons in order that the people may survive. These enslaving rituals and fear, they rule. These things rule their lives. There's no justice. There's no logic in it. And if you're in the Islamic world, you just say, well, God is good. That's all you know to say. God is good. Babies are dying. People dying early deaths that could easily be cured. And go into eternity without Christ. No wonder there's no loud celebration. No wonder there's no gladness. No wonder they don't sing for joy. Julie and I lived in a place where there was a kind of Islamic group. They were a weird group. They were one of those fringe ones. And they'd sing at night. And it just sounded like the howling of demons. There's no joy in it. There's no gladness because they do not know the Lord. When the Prince of Peace, though, comes into one's life and the person finds that Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. The burden is easy and the yoke is light. They find a king who not only calls them his servant, but also calls them his friend. No wonder there's a loud celebration when a person comes to realize that through Christ they're actually a friend of God. Celebration comes into their lives because of salvation. We take it for granted here, don't we? We take it for granted. And we have such a theology that we think we call ourselves to Jesus. And so what we do is we just kind of put that in our pocket. Yeah, well, I'll trust Jesus when I get good and ready. That's what I'll do. That's flawed theology, by the way. It's dangerous thinking. But that's the way we think, well, I'll just get to it when I get to it. These folks don't have a get to it time. And when it comes their way, and the Lord actually calls them to himself, the joy and the celebration is real. Well, we've got to finish up. The nation's need to be glad because there's intercession for the nations. We're praying for them. We're praying for ourselves to be blessed that we may be a blessing. The same thing he said to Abraham, God said to Abraham, he says it to his people. I want to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the nations. There's also salvation. They can be glad because there's salvation for the nations. God has not limited his salvation to just one group of people. 
He is not limited to that. He has not drawn a line. The skin pigmentation has nothing to do with what God has to say. He said we're all of one blood. He's just placed people different places in the world that they may seek him. Salvation is for the nations. And then also they can be glad because there's the revelation to the nations. Look what verses, verses 6 and 7 say. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. What is God saying here? First, he's revealing his covenant. God's covenant is with his people. God, our God, shall bless us. Do you see this? The nations need to see this. That God, the almighty God, is in a personal relationship with his people. He is, what the Bible says, he is our God. He's not just a God, or the God, or the man upstairs, or something silly like that. He's our God. We know him. He knows us through his son. Secondly, he is for us. He's not a God who is against us. He's not like the demonic gods who seek to ruin their lives if you don't placate them. Here's the thing about our God. Listen to this. Here's the thing. The demonic gods are always looking to be satisfied by people. You have to offer sacrifices. You have to pour out blood. You have to offer your children. You have to offer your crop. You have to do all of these things because they want to be placated by you, by people. Let me tell you something about our God. No one can satisfy Him except His Son. And His Son has done it on behalf of the people whom He loves. That's the difference. That's what we have to offer. The impossible standard of of trying to satisfy demons and false gods is going to be swept away because the God who loves us has been satisfied by the blood of His Son on our behalf. That's the gospel message. And that's how we come into this covenant relationship with Him. It is through His blood that we're now in this unbreakable relationship. I will be your God and you will be my people. That's His covenant with us. God's covenants with his people. The nations need to see this. They need to see it in us. It needs to be revealed to them through us. One of the things I talk to Muslims about all the time is assurance. Well, do you have assurance? Do you, do you have it? Do you have, I would say, to, well, do you have kalute? Do you have it? No, no, no man can have it. Oh, I got it. You, you got it. How do you get it? And I tell them, you know, Muhammad didn't have it. They go, how do you know that? I read him. He didn't have it. At the end of his life, he just said, I hope. I hope that I'll be accepted into paradise. He hoped. It's a false hope. He hoped it. And I tell them about our Lord. Her confidence is in him. The one who's never failed. The one who perfectly obeyed the Father on my behalf. The one who perfectly satisfied the debt of my sin on my behalf. The one who rose from the dead. I have every reason to have confidence in him. The people of the earth, the nations, they need to see this. Now look at God's call. God's call is to the peoples as well. This needs to be revealed to them. Let all of the ends of the earth fear him. Now, you just studied in Sunday school this morning, in Bible study, you studied about this. 
to the ends of the earth. Right? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And here we have this phrase again, let all the ends of the earth fear him. What does it mean to fear God? The word fear in the Old Testament in this kind of context is the same as faith. It means to honor, respect, and believe. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What does that mean, the fear of the Lord? It means faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is the beginning of wisdom. This is to the nations. This call is from God to the nations. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Let all the ends of the earth know him through his son Jesus and put their faith and fear in the Lord. This is the call to the nations and they need to know that this call is to them. Ladies and gentlemen, in Bible study this morning, I was telling my people in my class, you just have one job. You only have one job. You say, well, Pastor, I work here and there and everywhere. I'm not like you just work on Sunday. I, I know that. Bless y'all's hearts. Whenever you're thinking about that statement, I want you to stop for just a moment and think about this. I wonder how many church members are just like me that the pastor has to deal with. That will tell you something right there. Okay, moving forward. But everybody has to work for a, a living. Everybody's got to do that. And, and everybody's got to take care of family. Everybody's got to do that. And some of y'all have to do schooling, and, and you've got to do that. Now, some of y'all are doing training for a vocation of some sort. Everybody, people got to do that. All those things are true. But that's not your job. Those are a means of existence, which you do have to exist. Those are means of existence. You only have one job. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And truly, surely, without a doubt, I'm with you always to the end of the age. That's the one job of the church. The one job. You only have one job. That's it. To make disciples. That's the commission that our king has given to us. Just that. And if we will do that then what we see is Psalm 67 coming true. The nations will be glad. And the nations will sing for joy. I was talking to an African man once, and a lot of places in the world, like many places in Africa, just poverty-stricken. And it's poverty on a level that it's not even, you can't comprehend it. It's children eating dirt just to have something in their stomach it's just it's it's appalling and you know you have a tendency as somebody come from this side of the world to go in and try to fix all the stuff you know you want to do stuff and this one one guy pulls me aside and he just says hey uh, we don't really need your money that was refreshing I said tell my kids no he said we want your knowledge you know something about God that we need to know. That's what we want from you. 
that's what we have to give. Our money cannot fix the world. Our money is not what the world needs. Our money is not the way to fix this crooked world. The way to fix it is with the gospel of Jesus. Then the nations will be glad. And then they will sing for joy. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for giving us the gospel in the book of Psalms. And Father, I pray that you would encourage our hearts and lives. It's so easy for us to drift into self-reliance and being self-absorbed. Lord, we're busy people. We put busyness upon ourselves. We probably shouldn't, but Lord, activities are so many. And in the midst of that, we forget we have one job. That as we go to make disciples. Father, I pray also that for any prejudice, any kind of racism, any kind of animosity toward people of other cultures, if that would exist in our hearts today, any person here today, Father, including my own, would you bring us to a place of repentance? Lord, we may not appreciate some things in other cultures. We may not like the culture. We may not ever want to be a part of it or know. But fathers, it turns our hearts hardened toward people that need to hear the saving, of the saving power of God so that they and their nation can be glad and sing for joy to the Lord. So Lord, those things that hinder the gospel, would you break that down in our lives? Father, for many people, there's a fear. And the fear is really not from messing up. The fear is one produced by self-preservation. Trying to save ourselves from a moment of embarrassment. Lord, you tell us that those of us who are dishonored for your sake will be honored by the Father. Lord, we have been protecting ourselves from a moment of embarrassment and willing to keep the gospel to ourselves to preserve our own pride, I pray and ask, Lord, that you would break that down in our lives and bring us to a place of repentance and that our lives would be changed. Lord, many of us are misappropriating our funds. We're spending great sums of money on things that really don't matter. Surely, Lord, you've told us to take the things that you've given us and enjoy them. And we do, Lord. We want to do that. We don't want to be misers. We don't want to be stingy. But yet we're spending great sums of money on pets, on goldfish, sports, all other things. And we have no heart that the nations would hear of the saving power of God. And that they would be glad and sing joy, joyfully to your name. Father, I ask that you would break that in our lives as well. The priority of our lives. Others, Lord, you put in their heart that you want them to go. And as of yet, even before COVID, they were disobedient. And I pray and ask you, Father, that the joy of obedience would overshadow the fear of the what-ifs, and that they would surrender. 
their time, talent, and treasure for the one job that you've given us to do, to make disciples of all nations. Lord, there are those here today, surely, those here today of this nation, of this ethnic group, that have yet to trust in Christ as Lord and Savior. And you care just as much about that one that's here as that one that's over there. You want them to come to Christ. If you're calling them, then they must come. So Lord, I pray that you would ignite faith in that heart, that one that you've set your eye upon that's here today, that one that perhaps has been pretending, shielding their pride with a cloak of religion. And inside, they're like a whitewashed tomb. They're rotten inside while looking the part on the outside. I ask you, Father, that you would touch that old, dead, hard, black heart today and make it alive that that person may truly throw off the shroud of pretense and turn to Christ and be saved. I ask these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.